Let me invite you to open your Bibles, please, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Let's pray together. Father, you are good. You are great. You are matchless. You are best. Thank you for abundantly blessing us. Thank you that we are not lacking in any gift. We are not lacking in any spiritual blessing. You have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Father, you we acknowledge that you chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before you. In love you have predestined us to adoption as sons according to the good pleasure of your will. Through him, through Jesus, we have, by your grace, received redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our sin according to the magnitude the matchless, unending supply of your grace. For this we are most grateful. Help us this morning that we would humble our hearts and minds before you, that we would yield ourselves to you, that we would truly remember our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we would worship him in spirit and in truth. That we would worship you in spirit and in truth. That the spirit of God would do his work in our lives. Empowering us. Quickening us. Guiding us. Comforting us. Strengthening us for the task. We expect supernatural work. Because we rely Upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Many people are uncomfortable talking about and thinking about death. Yet, as many people get older, they begin to establish a new habit that is to look in the newspaper at a particular section called the obituaries. For those of you that aren't familiar with the term obituary, that means death notices. Perhaps they're looking because they might find a friend of theirs listed. Or perhaps they might be looking just to ensure that they themselves <laughs> are not listed. As gospel believers, as Bible believers, we make a regular practice of talking about death. And it's not because we just happen to be the most morbid lot on earth. The reason that we make a practice of talking about death regularly is that it's through the sacrifice of our Savior Jesus Christ that we have life. It is through his death, in fact, that we have real 
and eternal life. So our discussion of death is a death unto life. And it's, it's the death of the sovereign one. Interestingly, it's the death of the one who spoke the world into existence. Jesus is the creator of all things. By him, nothing was made that was made. And so the one who spoke the world into existence, the one through whom breath was blown into Adam's nostrils and man became a living soul, that one took on human flesh and experienced real, physical death so that we might have real, eternal life. Why do we celebrate death? We celebrate death because death, Jesus' death, leads to life, real life, eternal life. There's good cause to celebrate death as is demanded for the church in Scripture. The Bible demands the church to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And by its nature, while I always try to bring in the element of the resurrection of Christ, the picture of the table is not resurrection. The picture of the table is death, suffering, agony, torn body, spilled blood. That's the picture of the table. It's death. We remember and we celebrate the death of Jesus. And the question is why? Now, we've read Ephesians 1, 3 through 7 together. Then, as I prayed, I recounted it for us. Our only consideration this morning is verse 7. Because I promised myself that this was going to be 20 minutes. And I figured, if I go to 25, I'll still be happy. 25 minutes, I'll still be happy. So I can't even talk about verses 3, 4, 5, and 6, lest I leave unhappy. You want me to leave happy, right? I want you to leave happy, because I know who my Redeemer is. And so I want to leave rejoicing, and I'll leave rejoicing if we only talk about verse 7. Verse 7 says this, In Him we have redemption, through His blood, the forgiveness of of sins according to the riches of His grace. First of all, we remember and celebrate the death of Jesus because Jesus' death is the source of our redemption. Jesus' death is the source of our redemption. In Him we have redemption. But it's not simply in His life. It's not simply in that God took on human flesh and tabernacled among us. It's because God took on human flesh, tabernacled among us, obeyed the, the, the demands of the law, fulfilled the plan of the Father, including, friends, the rejection of His own. Including, friends, taking upon Him the curse of the law. Including, friends, not only being accounted as a sinner, but in fact becoming sin for us. Even though he knew no sin, Jesus' death provides for our redemption. Now what is redemption? Redemption is a word that describes a scene, quite frankly. 
it describes a scene that we are not familiar with. It describes the scene of a marketplace, but not any old marketplace. They're not selling fruits and vegetables at this fruit stand. There's an auction block up here, and there are people, human beings, one after the other, ready to come up on that auction block. And there's an auctioneer of some sort, and there's a group of landowners out here, and they're going to take bids on these human beings, these slaves. And someone will say, that one looks strong. That one looks sturdy. He looks healthy. I'll purchase him. And they pay the price. And they take that human being and treat him as his own possession, just like a slab of meat. And God uses that vivid picture to say, I went into the marketplace and I was looking and I want you for me. I want you. But I'm not just going to steal you. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to pay the price that your life demands. And the price that your life demanded and my life demanded was a perfect life of Christ who was both God and man. It demanded obedience to the law and perfect fulfillment of the law. It demanded a blood sacrifice. Jesus' death provides for our redemption through Christ. We've received that redemption. And so, so here we were, detached, removed. We were, we were in a bad situation. In the, the slave market scenario, many of these slaves would go from a bad scenario to a worse scenario. But in the case of our redemption, we've gone from bad to best. Through Christ, we've received a redemption that is not paralleled in any other way. We've gone from desperate and disassociated and, 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 and lonely and purposeless and, and really condemned to when Jesus, through his blood, and his great sacrifice, he redeemed us to the best position we could ever be in. This is the redemption. This is why we celebrate death. We remember and celebrate the death of Jesus because Jesus' death <clears throat> excuse me, is the source of our redemption. Secondly, we remember and celebrate death because Jesus' blood is the payment for our redemption. It says, through his blood through his blood. In him we have <clears throat> redemption through his blood. Well, the Bible makes this very clear. Let's take a look at a couple of passages, please. 1 Peter chapter 1 to begin with. Here Peter is speaking of this redemption, and he says, beginning in verse 17 of 1 Peter 1, And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves through the time of your your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish 
and without spot. He says, your redemption is through his blood. Well, Leviticus tells us that the life of the flesh is in the blood. So when Jesus gives his blood, he's giving his life. It's through blood. Without blood, there is no remission of what? Sin. No remission is the, the removal of. There's no remission of sin without blood. And so we have the blood sacrifice of Jesus. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9, beginning in verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place. How often? Once. For what? Once for all. Once for all. This is a once for all payment. Having obtained what? Eternal redemption. This is glorious. Look at chapter 10 and verse 10. Now, previous to this, it talks about Jesus saying, I have come to do your will. This is verse 10. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. What does it say? Once for all. So the death of Christ, the blood of Christ, offers for us eternal redemption. This is the concept. And this is what Paul is saying back in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. In him we have redemption, but there is a payment for that redemption. It wasn't just a, a generic, yes, I forgive everybody, I love everybody, and therefore I will forgive everybody. No, there was a demand for justice. That's God's character. And with that demand, God, as always, meets the demand. And he met the demand with the blood of Christ. Friends, that's called grace. God providing for us what we could never provide for ourselves. We could never gain eternal redemption through any means. But what we could never gain, God provided for us through the blood of Jesus Christ. We celebrate and we remember the death of Jesus. First of all, because Jesus' death is the source of our redemption. Secondly, Jesus' blood is the payment for our redemption. Thirdly, back in Ephesians chapter 1, Jesus' blood provides redemption's sweetest result, forgiveness of sin. Friends, try to remember. Try to remember what it was like before you knew Jesus. Try to remember the guilt and the fear and the condemnation you felt because of your sin. Try to remember. Try to remember what it was like to try to think, what can I do to deal with this sin problem? Because I know there's a problem. There's no one that walks on this globe that doesn't know that their sin is a problem. They know. They just don't know what to do with it. They try to cover it up. They try to find a way to appease their soul and their conscience. They try to cover the guilt with alcohol and, and drugs and sex. They try to cover up their lack with success and materialism and all manner of things. And they can't get away from it. And it boggles their minds. And they're frustrated. And they can't tolerate it. They really can't. They won't admit it to you. But just watch. And I want you to remember remember what you felt like. It was terrible. It was horror. How do I get this off of me? How do I remove this guilt? And I want to tell you, friends, this is what's so awesome about celebrating death. 
because through the blood of Jesus, I have the sweetest result of redemption, forgiveness of sin. I've gone from bondage to my sin and terror and fear and anxiety and helplessness to freedom. Amen. Friends, this, this is why we celebrate death. Because Jesus' death and his blood remove the guilt and the condemnation. In fact, the very record of sin. I will never, ever, ever give an account for my sin because Jesus gave an account for it. I'll never stand before God saying, oh, I'm so ashamed. No. Jesus' blood has taken away every ounce and trace of sin. Listen, the sweetest result of redemption, forgiveness of sin. You can't get that anywhere else but Jesus' blood. The Bible tells us in Psalm 103, verses 10 through 12, He does not deal with us. Oh, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him as far as the east is from the west. Listen, will you say the rest with me? So far he does he remove our transgressions from us. Listen, we celebrate death because Jesus' death is the source of our redemption. We celebrate death because Jesus' blood is the payment for our redemption. Thirdly, we celebrate death because Jesus' blood provides redemption, sweetest result, forgiveness of sin. It's full, it's final. It's full, and it's final. There's a fourth reason that we celebrate death. Jesus' work of redemption was supplied by God's abounding grace. Jesus' work of redemption was supplied by God's abounding grace. He says, according to the riches of his grace. According to. Not out of. According to. That, that's like a comparison. It's not like, okay, I've got ten bucks, I'm going to give you two of them. That's out of. According to. God's supply of grace is limitless. God's supply of grace is unending. God's supply of grace is infinite. And God supplies grace in accordance with the abundance and the riches of His grace. So when God gives grace, He gives it according to what He has, which is all of it. Think about this, friends. God's grace supplies everything we need. God's supply of grace is unending. You cannot exhaust God's grace. He always supplies our deepest needs. He is never lacking in his provision for us, ever. This is why the psalmist said these words, wrote these words, meditated on these words. The Spirit of God gave him these words. And this is what he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no, no lack, no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord lack no, what does it say? good thing. No good thing. 
There is no greater grace gift than the gift of Jesus' sacrificial death on our behalf. Listen. We celebrate death because it is the forerunner of eternal life. Without Jesus' death, all we have is death. But because of Jesus' death, all the believer has is life. Why do we celebrate death? Because that death changes everything. Do you know Jesus? Have you experienced the the freedom and joy and release, the confidence that comes in knowing Jesus? Have you experienced him? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good.